0: Start talking about empathy. It's like, yeah, just do it now, but then we're not gonna need enough empathy later. It's like, no, no, no. This whole emphasis to exhibit these unusual behaviors just shows you how weak you are otherwise. This question about what's on your mind, what's new with you, these generals about the other person, they're appropriate at all times. I actually did some
1: research on it in these last few weeks because it is such a focus right now and looked at Daniel Goldman in his emotional intelligence also talks about empathy and that there's different types of empathy. And it's interesting, there's some empathy that is actually gonna hurt people. And that is the empathy where you are physically and mentally feeling their pain. And those people that are doing that are like, this is really painful for them. They've gotta find ways to recharge.
0: Hi friends, welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Nancy Blakey. She's the author of one of my favorite sales books, Conversation That Sell. And she's joining me today on the Sales Enablement Podcast, episode number 769, to talk about how to connect with people during this crisis, or during any crisis, for that matter. Because words matter perhaps more than ever now. And Nancy and I are going to get down to a very practical level about how to effectively open a conversation with a stranger, a new prospect, or even an existing customer and prospect, during these particular times. And we're going to get into all that and much, much more. But before we get to Nancy, I want to let you know the whole team of people who work to produce this podcast are incredibly grateful for all of you who support us by listening to the show, telling your friends, sharing it on social media, and most importantly, subscribing to the show and giving us your feedback in the form of a rating and a review. So thank you very much. Okay, let's jump into it. Nancy Blakey, welcome back to the show.
1: So glad to be here, Andy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's good to have you. I mean, it's always good to talk to a fellow Wisconsinian. You know, what do you think about people calling us Sconies? First time I've heard it. Really? Oh, okay. Really? Sconies? Yes. That, that,
1: people people not from Wisconsin call us sconies, and I'm like, what? That's not what we've ever called ourselves.
0: Yeah, like Zonies from Arizona. Yeah, um, yeah. that's what we call it. people in Arizona and Southern California that when they come over in the summertime to get away from the heat. The zonies are here. Um, No, I had not heard that. Badgers (laughs) I could go with.
1: But not sconies. Not sconies, no. It was someone from Michigan, and then I've seen it since then. I just think it's odd. Don't we get to name ourselves?
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right, so uh, we are recording this in the heart of the the great pandemic of 2020. Uh, Where are you keeping yourself safe?
1: Keeping myself safe right now in southern California. Southern (laughs) Southern Florida. I'm in Southern Florida, not Southern California. That's where you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish I were in Southern California right now. I'm in the heart of it right here in New York City. So, you said you were in Boca. So, you know Charlie Green, right?
1: I do not know Charlie, Charlie.
0: Green. Okay. We'll talk after the show. Okay. Another frequent guest on the show. Um, okay. Well, good. So, we're going to talk about helping small businesses set up their sales function, but I think you know, we should address what is going on in terms of how this has an impact on small businesses, because it definitely does, right?
1: It does. Um,
0: Yeah, because the impact throughout up and down throughout the supply chain. Small businesses certainly generally don't have the same reserves as big companies, and we know big companies are furloughing employees left and right. Um, What are you seeing in the clients that you're working with?
1: You know, it's interesting. A few weeks ago, I, I personally also had a panic like, oh my gosh, what does this mean to everybody I know and care about? And what I found was within days they pivoted. They were all back in. And I, I find that they showed more resiliency and flexibility in their operations. Small business. Yeah, the small businesses than the larger companies that I've worked with in the past mm-hmm. um, who immediately I remember 2008. 8 it's 2009 right. 2010 911 that you know within a month everybody cut everything from the large companies i was working for and i was expecting the same thing with this time i was already like okay what am i going to adjust in my business what about my team what are we going to do and within 3 days it was obvious i needed to do nothing to cut back because everyone was like no we're still in like we still need to sell in fact we want to go in more like we want to be more proactive in our our selling or our business development efforts, I'm serious. It has been fascinating. So, what type I of companies together, typically are you working with? Well, I do a lot of work with uh, wealth management, uh, okay. you know, Wealth management firms, twenty or less advisors, and so um, they were like, you know, no, now is the time. We have to stay in touch with people. So we we we're, we're staying in the course. And I I was like, this is this is different. But small businesses are different, right? There is a different. People are more People are often playing more than one role. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of flexibility for everything. And so um, there's not a lot of overhead fluff. And so everybody's kind of critical to things going forward. And I think also the mindset of risk tolerance is there. Right. They have a higher risk tolerance because they're not reporting out public numbers and worried about those sorts of things. And and so I have to say, I'm really proud to be working with these companies that see that they're still going to be needed. They're needed right now. And we've really um, helped their people focus on staying in connection, you know, staying in contact with just human, you know, being a human being. How are you doing? Is there any you know questions you have, mm-hmm. and not pushing sales or pushing you know, but mm-hmm. sales are coming because they're being just good people. Sure.
0: Well, I think that's really really essential. I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. Is that? Yeah, I mean, he was complaining about the fact that he had seen on LinkedIn that you know, all this sort of macho talk about, you know, double down, now's the time, blah, 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 blah. And and he was saying that, yeah, as a uh, he was CRO of a SaaS startup that's that's you know fairly well positioned, but saying that that yeah you know, what they're finding with their customers, and they're selling to, to enterprise customers and mid-sized companies, is that yeah, things have come to a halt. Right, I mean, people are reassessing. Everybody's going to reassess. It doesn't mean they're not going to come back and and you know, say we don't need what you want or you know. I, I think what we're going to see is is people say, look, we yeah, we were talking about this huge deal with you with you know x number of seats, but yeah, we've got this specific pain point we really do need to fix right now. So let's fix that. Then we'll see what's going to come. And mm-hmm. I think you're. Gonna, and he was saying he's those are the conversations they're having is is or the customer saying yeah, we're just not sure right now. So, Mm -hmm. if the customer is not sure right now, what should your approach be?
1: Your approach should be to be there for them, to see what you can offer them of value now. One of the things I said is, you know, talk to people even about how is it working from home? Are they looking for any tips, you know, there? Or what are they doing? The people that have their kids at home from school. Uh, But just, you know, I, I gave them this framework, you know, just call and say these words. I was thinking about you Mm -hmm. and fill in something specific. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about you and, you know, knowing that you have school-aged children, how is that going? And just be quiet and and let them talk. They're going to take the conversation where it goes. And my advice was don't take it to business unless they do Mm -hmm. because the business will come at the right time and trying to push people for decisions right now is going to backfire because... They're, you know, and, and a lot of the the advisors I work with are like, "I don't want people to think I'm trying to take advantage of them, you know, in a time you of know where they, they don't want to be taken advantage of. But I want them to know that I'm there. And so this just finding out how are you doing? what questions do you have at this time? Is there any way I can help you? And even if you were at the final stage of the sale and ready for a decision, don't call asking for the decision. And, and see larger companies that would be like, what? You can't tell them that. But these smaller companies get it. And what's fascinating is through these conversations, there's plenty of people that are saying, I'm glad you called because I am ready now. Like, mm-hmm. when can we get started? But I also know that this will be a short period of time with that. And then they are going to have to get into proactive efforts, you know, whether that's a month from now or two months from now. Um, and so they've got to keep their skills fresh too. And if if people are going to, and I saw people do this in 2010 in the, in the financial services world, they backed off. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I can help people, but I'm not going to do any selling efforts. And they were not positioned then when things started picking up because they were starting from scratch. But the people that had kept in contact, mm-hmm. kept relationships going, were well positioned to just ramp up. And I saw them recover faster than the other people. And so that's why I'm I right away started doing webinars, like you know, what do you do now? What's the conversation need to look like now? Um, and and I, it was amazing. We did one of them within like a, I think we decided, wrote the campaign to get stuff out, and did it the next morning, less than twelve hours later, and we had eighty-eight signups.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that this this is this is really an important issue because obviously, yeah, maybe a master of understatement with that, but but getting it right is really important and and yeah, I think that, that people are sort of gravitating to the extremes as we tend to do, which is yeah, I either need to keep keep my you know pedal to the metal or I need to back off completely because I'm trying to be sensitive, and yes. you're not being sensitive by not communicating to your to your prospects, you're being sensitive by communicating to them as you're talking about and and this whole idea is, well, how can I be of value to somebody? who's not really intending to make a decision in the short term.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But by doing so, you then do position yourself so that when the world inevitably turns around, you're the first person they think about because you'd stayed in touch in a way that was of value to them. So what, what are some of the things people can do to, to you know, be of value, other than just being empathetic and being an ear right. to listen?
1: Well, it's interesting. I don't think it's even that you're going to be the first person they think of, but when you contact them, the feeling of goodwill and the trust is going to be there right mm-hmm. so so i saw this really nice chart about how do you build trust and and you know people really focus on their expertise you know of whatever it is that they're offering right we're the best at this we you know we provide this we know this that you don't and that that whole that saying about people don't care how much you know until you know how much they care is 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 so true right now and it does start with empathy but then it goes to reliability and mm-hmm. then and then knowledge, expertise. Like that's right. what people are looking for. So right now, right, you start with empathy, but the reliability is about showing up. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things to do, to to be a value right now. Show up. Ask questions to find out how things are going. You know what are they concerned about? You know what's going? On, what do they see in in the near future? In the far future? Not again. Looking for how am I going to shove what I'm selling at them? But just what? Where are their thoughts? Because you're going to see some people are more resilient, and their thoughts are going to turn to business and whatever it is you're offering mm-hmm, faster mm-hmm. than others. But it, and so if you're in ongoing connection. That, that' you know you're gonna you're gonna be the one that's talking to them and um identifying that pivot and then being able to start that business conversation up again
0: yeah i mean, I, I referenced Charlie Green earlier, who was the co-author of the book trusted advisor and and uh you know with foremost experts on trust around and and he brought up an interesting point he said yeah during this this well in general but especially during this time is that As a seller, you not only need to be able to ask the questions you talked about, which really say, gee, how are you feeling right now? And, you know, what's happening with the kids and da da da. But you also need to be able to talk about your own feelings. And so, because you brought this up in the context, which I think is really important for people to keep in mind is that, yeah, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. But, um, one of the ways that, and this is this plays out in several dimensions, is is Charlie says, you know, research shows that people are more likely to trust people who they feel trust them. And so by being vulnerable and talking about your feelings, you're 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 taking a risk to say, Yeah, I trust you to to react to this in the right way. And that starts building this connection of trust in a way that you wouldn't if you just Having a one-way conversation about it,
1: mm-hmm. or not
0: asking—obviously, not asking about it at all. So it's really important when you're in the situation, having these conversations, is yeah, don't be afraid to talk about how it's affecting you. Mm-hmm. Be be open and vulnerable. You're telling, you're transmitting to the customer. Yeah, I, I trust you to respect my my feelings and be curious about feelings because, again, go back to the no like and trust. Uh, Robert Cialdini in his yeah. latest book, Persuasion, said that people are more likely to buy from people who they think like them. Mm-hmm. See, we always we always talk about we need to be trusted, we need to be liked. No, the buyer has the exact same needs from you as you have from them.
1: Yeah, in that chart about empathy, reliability, knowledge, vulnerability is is next, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it is. And so I I have found some really interesting conversations about the whole spouses working out of home, you know, out of the house and and how's that going and in sharing part of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. during during this, I think is is exactly what you said. It's really important because people buy from people. You know, and, still, and that's why right, and, and that's why I still, whether you're selling to enterprises or not, you're not selling to an enterprise, you're selling to the people within it. And so that's why I'm like all the skills that that I you know teach and preach are are just so relevant now. And it's not giving up on business. It is still business and you will still get to the business conversation, but you've got to remember that it still is a conversation and that's two-way. And it's not just about your questions. It is about what are you also bringing to it? You know, and how do you set up your questions? That's one of the things over the last, I always, at the end of the year, I always reflect on what are some of the nuances that I've noticed from this last year mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that really make a difference in conversations. Sure. And one of the last year was about the, everyone knows to ask questions, right? Everyone knows that how well we do it is another story. But that there's a yeah. nuance in how you lead into your questions, how you set them up, the context that you give them and how much you can bring in that vulnerability and, um, expertise in how you set up your questions. So, for example, you mm-hmm. can, in, instead of just saying, you know, what are your thoughts around this or how are you feeling? You know, it's, you know, in talking with so many people in the last week, I'm, I've, I've heard so many stories about blank. Mm-hmm. How is that? You know, and so you're bringing in expertise. You're letting them know that you you understand something. You've got some you know context, and then you're letting them join that conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that, and this plays to a whole another thing that, which is one <laughs> part of this, is that, yeah, you know, if you want to, when we hear the conversations about, well, we need to add value to our clients, right? We need to provide value, and so people are always looking for these tangible sources of value that they want to identify that we're giving. But it's really important for for people listening to understand is that one of the most important ways you add value to your your buyer is to make them feel understood. It's that simple. But you can't make them feel understood if you're not asking the questions, if you're not getting them to, to open up, if you're not being vulnerable yourself. If you're vulnerable, sometimes you have to lead with your own vulnerability in order to get them to be vulnerable That's fine, but then this value that when the customer starts feeling understood, and this you know everybody knows Maslow's hierarchy of needs, being understood is one of the critical needs. That is valuable to the buyer because then now they can trust you.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and what I find is interesting about that is even the question, "How are you feeling?" You got to remember that people have different styles, and some people don't want to talk about their feelings. And so Mm -hmm. it's knowing, you know, do I ask, How are you feeling? or do I ask, What are your thoughts about?
0: Right. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Yeah. Great question.
1: Yeah. What's on your mind? But what I'm finding again, that nuance is sometimes a question can be way too broad, except that I think now. With what's going on, you can't be too broad because where they take your very open question is what's important to them. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's where they take it is what they expect you want to talk to them about, and so it's giving ourselves permission that if they are like, "Oh, I'm sure you're wondering if we've made a decision on this," and they take it right away to what they think you're going to be calling for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's 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 being able to say, "Let's table that for now," you know? Yeah. And, and, and be, give them permission to, to, to not have to be like, oh, I know this is important and you're probably wanting this, and say, I'm really checking in with you.
0: How are you? And this, and this is the point I want to make that that is so important, again, for people listening, because we preface this whole thing so are saying behaviors that you want to exhibit you know, during this, this period we're going through. I, I'm sorry I said that, because these are really the behaviors you need to exhibit at all times. And this is the thing that sort of drives me nuts when I see what's what's happening. You know, LinkedIn being the first and foremost is lead with empathy. You know, everybody's talking about empathy, empathy, empathy. It's like, yeah, just do it now. But then we're not going to need that empathy later, right? Because once we're through, it's like, no, no, no. You're this whole emphasis to you know exhibit these unusual behaviors that you aren't exhibiting otherwise just shows you how weak you are otherwise. Because this is the way, regardless of the situation. These questions about this question about what's on your mind, what's new with you, you know these generals about the other person—they're appropriate at all times.
1: Mm-hmm. So empathy, I think, is one of those things that I, I actually did some research on it in these last few weeks because it is such you know such a, a, a focus right now, and and looked at uh, Daniel I think Daniel Goldman uh, in his emotional intelligence also talks about empathy and that there's different types of empathy. Yes. And it's interesting. There's some empathy that is actually going to hurt people. And that is the empathy. Oh, I can't remember which one it is. Um, where you are physically and mentally feeling their pain. Feeling yeah. their pain.
0: Yeah, it's emotional empathy.
1: Emotional. Okay. And those people that are doing that are like, th- this is really painful for them, right? They've got to find ways to recharge. They've got to yeah. find. They've got to find ways if they want to keep helping others. They've got to find a way to to limit some of the emotional feeling for themselves so that they can help more people.
0: Yeah. So well, and so Paul Bloom has written a book called "Against Empathy," which is oh, a great book. No. Guide. Okay. And he's not really against empathy per se. Um, but, you know, there are three types of empathy that, that people identify. Emotional empathy, which is the one you talked about. Compassionate empathy, okay. which is the cognitive. one that we most often think about. I could put myself in your shoes and see the world through your eyes. Or cognitive empathy, which is I think is the most valuable one to have in sales, which is I understand why you feel the way you do. See, it's one thing to say, "I, I, I, yeah, I can, I can put myself in your shoes," but you may not really understand why they feel that way, and so I can't help you if I don't understand you. This goes back to this whole understanding piece again. So, with cognitive empathy, if if I understand why you have the feelings you do, I'm in a much better position to help you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, yeah, people just have this blanket. Description of empathy. I urge people to read Golan's Goleman's book, which is great, obviously a classic, or Paul Bloom's book against empathy. It talks more about compassion and and so on. But his but the point Bloom makes and the reason I brought it up is because when you talk about emotional empathy, he says yeah, the problem with this is that people tend to make bad decisions when they're using emotional empathy as the basis.
1: And sometimes those decisions are like for right now in the financial world, people wanting to make big financial changes. That probably aren't in their best interest, and so if I'm <laughs> yeah, especially, aligning especially the markets s-
0: fluctuating like this, right, yeah. so if I'm
1: aligning myself emotionally with them, I might want to not be the voice of reason that helps them work through that maybe right. that's not the right thing and take them right. down from it. So there's there's so much danger there. But but going back to something you said about you know what, what can we do to give people a value? This is going to sound maybe contrary to what we've been talking about, but I think right now is a great time. To offer help to people that they know and care about, and potentially get referrals and additional introductions to people that you can help. So, so one of the things is extending, you know, what one of value is, you know, um, uh, because I care about you and what we've been talking about. I'm extending, you know, the opportunity to spend 20 or 30 minutes with someone that you know and care about who might be having questions about, and then you got to give them one or two things that you know Mm -hmm, you could help mm -hmm. someone about. And, and, um, but, but it's not self-serving. You really are as a courtesy to them, but for people that are, I always say for people that are the good networkers that are the people that the other people are coming to them all the time for help, they might be stuck right now, too, and not knowing how to help people that they know and care about. So, right. if you extend an, an offer... So, I have, in the last few weeks, offered to so many people, hey, if people are trying to get used to Zoom, I'd be happy to jump on a call and spend 15 or 20 minutes with them to give them some of the things I've learned over all these years. It's a simple thing to offer that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with what I do as a sales growth consultant, but they... I'm paying it. For, I say I'm paying it forward. Sure. Whatever. And and to me, I found that the words that are really important, you know, people you know and care about, because now I am I'm I'm, I'm extending something of mm-hmm. value that mm-hmm. maybe takes some pressure off of them because they if they are wanting to help people, you know, that are in their circle.
0: I like that. Thank you. That's. I mean, yeah. I'm, and I think it's the reason I like it too. It's it's different than saying, "Hey, we're offering you know, third days free or something." In some cases, that has a lot of value too. If it's targeted appropriately, yeah, offering free services, free setup, and so on to help people through this period of time. Because, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, companies have products and services that can actually help people making this transition to remote work and exactly. so on. Yeah, if you can do something, you're willing to do, make an offer, do something for free, extend yourself, even if it's a, a limited term contract, you know, they may cancel and the whole thing's done. So what? I mean, that's, that's an investment, as you said, in paying it forward that oftentimes comes back to help you.
1: Mm-hmm. And then someone brought up because um, I had talked to hundreds of people about this in the last week through these webinars, and someone said, Well, but then what if they just want everything free from me? And I said, Well, <laughs> you got to be careful about what you give. And if they're asking for more than what you've offered, then the next thing is, you know, I appreciate that there's more that would be helpful to you let's schedule another conversation to talk about what that is and how we might work together. But right. separate it from that helpful phone call. Because if your helpful phone call turns into a sales phone call, there's kind of some disconnect there.
0: Yeah, well, I think a, a good um, line that, that, I don't call it a line because that makes it sound like a you know, sleazy <laughs> technique, but good words to use in that, is, in that exact situation is would you be open to having a conversation about?
1: Okay. Asking it as a question.
0: Yeah. So yeah, this, you know, they perhaps are asking for more and you said, well, that's yeah, maybe we do that another time. Would you be open to having a conversation about this? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a, it's a great, a great series of words. I, um, uh, what's the guy's name? David field is a consultant, uh, Connecticut based, I believe. Uh, written a couple of really excellent books, and that's a line that, you know, seven words he talks about that convert into meetings is, would you be open to having, would you be open to a conversation about? And I think it's yeah, very powerful, and it's putting the ball in their court.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I So I can see that as a question. I also think that sometimes we have to be the leader to set expectations, and so we could preface that question with, you know, I suggest this. Would you be open? Mm -hmm. to having that conversation. And and that's that's one of the other nuances from the last year is that we have to be the leader and always knowing what's the next step or two so that we can set that expectation so that they're not ever wondering, so what's the agenda here? What's the, you know, why, where are you taking me? We always let them know, here's where we're going next. So even at the beginning of a a conversation with someone that you introduce, you let them know. know, you let them know that we have this much time and I'm, you know, here to answer some questions Andy had introduced us. Um, and, you know, at the end of it, if there's something more you want to talk about, then we'll discuss our next steps. But you let them, you let them know right then. Cause I still do think that people are expecting if you're offering me something free, it's going to move into a sales. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to take it into a sale somehow. You're going to try to take advantage of this or or of me. And so they, you got to, if you can take that off the table right away to let them know. This isn't going to turn into a sales call. I'm really here to help you. And then we'll 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 decide what's the next best step.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and to that point, you have to be exceedingly clear and consistent is that if, if you're saying it's not about sales, don't then you can't ever bring it up. Right. I mean, it's just then your integrity just disappears. Yeah. Because suddenly your words don't match your actions and your ability to build trust disappears in a heartbeat. So when you have these, and it's such an important point that you bring up, is if you're gonna if you're gonna say these things, you gotta you gotta live up to them. You do
1: well. And, and going back to that that chart of empathy, reliability, knowledge, integrity, vulnerability, um, that whole what you say is what you better do. So even mm-hmm. for the people that you're saying, you know, I'm I'm willing to offer this to people you know and care about, um, and. Letting, you know, carrying through. If they've made the introduction, make sure that you're doing your part to deliver yeah. something of help there. Um, and, and that's the whole thing. And so through all these last years, everyone's like, we're here for you. And all these, everyone's sending out emails right now, right? Everyone's yep. a lot of emails. So another thing of value, intangible, but important. I got 29 emails in 24 hours, two weeks ago.
0: But we're here to help.
1: We're here to help, but but even when I just got one before we started today, and it was all of this information about what you should know about you know COVID nineteen or what we're doing, and then the very last thing was, and we're here to help. And I thought I, I wouldn't I, because I'm looking for it. I would have never even read that. But no, not one person called me in those 24 hours. So now I believe is the time to also call people and not hide behind emails and not hide behind mass emails. It's got to be if you're going to email. It's got to be a very personal something that you can connect to that person. But I think now is the time to be using the telephone.
0: Yeah, or Zoom. But the point, the point being... Well, that,
1: I count those as the same. It's, it's a yeah, virtual yeah. reach out. Yeah, it's, right. a, it's a real reach out. It's a, it's a conversation mm-hmm. because that's part of it. Empathy, reliability, all of that is much easier when you can use your tone, when you can have wow. your inflection, when you're, when you're having a conversation versus an email exchange where you can't get those things across.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would say by definition, you cannot make, uh, you can't have something, somebody, somebody can't feel your empathy through an email. You have to talk to them. This it, is a human, I mean, hopefully people who are listening to this were clear on that when we were talking about these conversations earlier and expressing empathy as we are talking about having a conversation with someone, not, not hiding behind emails you talk about. And that's the thing, is that if you want to stay in touch with someone during these days, is yeah, is, is you should be talking to them. I mean, I think that, that relying on the email, um, there's certainly a place you want to define what your um, plan is going to be over you know a period of X months to be able to stay in touch and provide value to someone. But if you really want to understand what someone's going, someone's going through, you got to talk to them.
1: And right now, people are picking up the phone more than ever. I mean, that is something. I've. Are you finding that as well?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing some data that's saying that's the case. Yeah, and and I think that that you know partly is everybody's anxious. Just take it as a given. Everybody's anxious. Anybody that says yeah, I don't I don't care about the virus, yeah, they're lying. Everybody's everybody's anxious. Everybody's feeling a little bit disconnected. And I mean, I think um, you know some companies doing a great job on Slack and others, you know, keeping everybody roped in and and you know having. group activities and so on, but people are still, they won't talk to people. I mean, I think that's why this, I think it's a, I just wrote a blog post about this. I said, you know, the title basically, no one knows what the new normal is going to be because we have no idea. It's not going to be this, right? It's not going to be everybody working from home. That's unless we just can't get rid of this virus and then life as we know it changes immeasurably in many dimensions, and sales will be the least important of those. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not going to, it'll be different, but we can't predict what it'll be.
1: But you, know, you go back to Aristotle's writings, the, mm-hmm. hu- the need for human connection doesn't go yeah. away. <laughs> that yeah. is a constant through existence.
0: Well, I think that one of the things this, this episode with the pandemic illustrates, at least for me, is that you know, there's a sense of conviction on the part of so many people in sales now armed with this technology is that people are different to now. And the fact is, you know, the human brain doesn't evolve that quickly. (laughs) It's not evolving over 10 years. I mean, the way people process information, uh, certainly, well, the way people gather information, the way they process doesn't really necessarily change. But, you know, we've imputed these huge changes in the human psyche and human decision-making criteria, da-da-da, just ain't the case. It doesn't happen that quickly. It doesn't matter what the impact of technology is. Things have changed. Yeah, we're seeing some changes, but you know, decision-making, at the end of the day, someone's saying, what's the risk to me to making this decision? If you can't answer that question, it doesn't matter whether there's one stakeholder or 15 stakeholders, because you're just amplifying that risk factor by 15. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It's all about the people. It people. Is. It's all about people.
1: So it's funny though, because even like in making the phone calls, they're like, ah, you know, if people don't answer, then you have to have a really succinct voicemail that again portrays some kind of understanding about them, whatever, and then let them know I'm going to follow up with the email. So then that's when the email is great. It's a mm-hmm. follow up to the voicemail, so they can easily get in touch with you.
0: Which is a such a great point. And again, this is not specific to this time. No, but it's everything. Always set those expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why. Why would you set the expectation for the prospect to leave a voicemail for them to call you back?
1: Oh, and they grab that number. Let me get that number down. Oh, get you know, and they'll re listen so I get it again and then pick up the right. It's just unrealistic.
0: Yeah, I mean, set expectations. Yeah, and so I, you know, one behavior you can adopt during this time, and it's one that you know, I teach people all the time, is that if you're mailing prospects, emailing prospects. Is why why are you sending anything an email that doesn't have an attachment or a link to an article, something that just would help educate them perhaps about the decision they have to make, non-specific to your product. Uh, it could be a white paper to something, something that just helps them a little bit. You know, educates them, gives, provides them some value. Do that every time. You know, and then if you want to have a spur in, in terms of you know setting expectations for next actions, just say. And this is one of my favorites is you know. Mr. Prospect, the email, I was thinking about you this morning, I read this link or attached article. You know, there are two things in here I think we should talk about. Would Tuesday at 9 work for you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're going to get a response to that. Or if you do that as a video email, even, right. which we haven't even talked about specifically, you know, for using Loom or Vidyard or BombBomb, one of these services is like, that's very powerful. People respond to those, especially in this day and age. Yeah,
1: I think then the the last thing that has to happen that I see a lot of people skip after that call, very specific, you know, request or call to action, is then saying, "And if I don't hear from you, here's what you can expect from me, right? Mm-hmm. And if I don't Great hear point. from you, I'm going to reach out again via email, or I'm going to call you at this time." So again, they know. If I don't do this, they're not going away, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, but then we've got to do that, like what you talked about earlier. If we say what we're that we're going to do something, then that's what what we have to do. That's got to be one of our you know uh, our prompts that we follow through on that. And is it going to be a phone yeah. call or is it going to be an email? But that is, I see that missing a lot in people's emails it is. Then what? Setting expectations. If yeah. they don't do what? this, then what am I committing to? Right. It's our responsibility to do that follow up. So, you know, most people still aren't going to to do whatever action we ask. But then it's what are we doing next? Mm-hmm. And, and what's our commitment to the number of outreaches that we're going to make? And along the way, continuing to bring them something.
0: Yeah, and I, and what you're also setting the stage for there is trust building because you're saying, look, I'm making a commitment. I need to live up to it. And the more you do that, the more you create this feeling of reliability, perception of reliability, which is huge for trust building and making decisions in your favor. So that And that goes back to something I, I like to talk about, too, which is, yeah, give yourself reasons to demonstrate your reliability. Give yourself reasons to demonstrate your credibility and your trustworthiness. You know, build like those that. in. Yeah. Don't me... wait for them.
1: Yeah. I think that's great. That's a good way of thinking about it. Is it gives you some accountability.
0: Mhm. And but you're you're demonstrating it to the, exactly. to the prospect. Yeah. No, I like. And that. most people don't. Mm-hmm. And this is again, we. Yeah, you know, I believe your margin of victory in any deal is assume it's one percent. So if you're just the little things make a huge difference, and I I haven't talked about that enough recently. I guess on the show is. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be one percent better, and it's not price. It's in in some dimension. And this was this was actually, uh, gosh, I think maybe about ten years ago. At this point, there was a paper in the Harvard Business Review. Some paper uh, professors had done about uh, what they called tie breaking selling, uh-huh. and it was talking about you know these small little things you do that to help you win deals that aren't price related.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, at the end of the day, it's, yeah, it is the reliability. It's the credibility. It's, oh, yeah, maybe they offered, uh, you know, faster turnaround, or maybe they gave me another six months of warranty, or, you know, there's something you do that's not specifically just reducing your list price. But oftentimes, it's these intangibles, that having to do with service and support, making people feel, you know, better about doing business with you, that really are the key things. So, well, good. Well, Nancy... We are running out of time, but it's been fantastic to talk to you as always, fellow Wisconsinian. That was the other, what was Scotty. Scotty, no, 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 no. We're not. We're not going for that. No, thank you. All right, cool. So, uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you.
1: Well, I mean, the easiest way, email me or call me. Uh, Nancy at salesproinsider.com. Um and uh connect with me on LinkedIn. That's I, I'm very responsive on LinkedIn to, uh, to start conversations there as well. So um reach Is that out
0: Nancy Blakey. It's
1: Nancy Blakey, B-L-E-E-K-E. Not like yes. it sounds. Not um
0: B-L-A-K-E-Y, yeah.
1: Right, you're right. B-L-E-E-K-E, German husband. Um and so, or, or send, me, send me an email, even though we're saying call, send me an email because uh, right now the days are swamped, but I, do, I will respond. And if you want to talk about conversations, talk about what you can do during this time or any time to increase your probability of the successful, exactly. inc- the successful information exchange that needs to happen for someone to make a decision, I'm your girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that you, I'm glad you brought that word up just to serve a, a coda to this whole thing is that, yeah, you know, and think about it in your own sales process when you're out there, people listening to the show is is that, you know, think, how am I enabling my own success? And, you know, to do that, you can't treat sales as a game of chance where you're just playing the odds, right? As what we would talk about here today, as Nancy talks about with her emphasis on the conversations or book conversations that sell is what can you do to affect the odds of winning each interaction Mm -hmm. and increasing the overall probability of winning the deal. And that's really what you need to be focusing on. Well said. (laughs) All right. With that, we'll sign off. Nancy, great to see you. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Bye. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. We're so grateful for your support of this show. And I want to thank Nancy Blakey for sharing her conversational wisdom with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could also leave us a rating or review and let us know how we're doing, we'd really appreciate it. So you can do that all on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. So thanks for your help. And also, thank you so much for investing your time to join me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.